Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What in the world is happening on Wall Street? Economic indicators. Who knows where this is going to end up? To understand the economy... You have to understand human nature. Welcome to the David McWilliams podcast, where we try to make economics accessible, less complicated and more open to everyone because sometimes economics can get highfalutin and can be difficult to understand. And we feel it's important to make things much more simple. Now, last night, I don't know if you watched it, I was on Netflix and I watched Knock Down the House, which is an amazing Netflix documentary about the last congressional election in the United States. It focuses on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but it also has other women who tried to break the mold in American politics. And it's really fascinating. And when I was watching it, I thought, where does this come from? Is there a link between economic policy of 10 years ago and what we're seeing now, which is huge swathes of the United States shifting to the left. And this is what this podcast is going to be about because sometimes policy initiatives taken have massively weird ramifications that you never predict and ultimately manifest themselves in new politics five, six, seven years later. If you enjoy the content and you'd like to support us, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. You can unlock a variety of exclusive content, including extra episodes, behind the scenes content, Q&As, and for the next couple of weeks, exclusive tickets for two sold out amazing events at the Dorky Book Festival. The first one is a conversation between myself and the extraordinary Jared Diamond. Now, Jared Diamond has been called the master storyteller of the human race. I've been looking forward to talking to him for years and years, and it's going to be on Monday the 27th in the Mansion House at 7pm. There's two tickets to be won on Patreon. And this is a real gem. You've got the opportunity now to a gig that was sold out after a minute of it going on sale with a brilliant Stephen Fry and a man who, by designing three of the most iconic products of our age, the iPod, the iPad and the iPhone, has changed your world possibly more than anybody else alive. Johnny Ive, the chief designer of Apple. 
The gig is on Saturday, the 15th of June, in the Seafront Marquee at Dorky. The tickets have been sold out, but you got the chance to win two if you join the gang here at patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. And you can get all of this, the content, the tickets, the Q&A, all for the price of a pint. So, Johnny, what was the week? Anything strange? It's been all good this week. Yeah, no boxing? I, I, always boxing. I'm, gonna, I'm doing three days a week now. God it's almighty. Great. It's your midlife crisis. Yeah, and your actually when, I'm, when I miss a day, I actually feel it. I get a bit angsty. Is that a bit weird, becoming that, a gym bunny? That is Jesus, we a bit old for becoming a gym bunny. Finn, all good with you? Yeah, all good. Same old, same old. Cool, cool, cool. And I've had one of those, yeah, I've been working, doing this and that and the other, just trying to try to keep all the balls juggling in the air. Yeah, it's the, it's the run-up to, to the summer. It's the run-up to the summer, yeah. Well, we've got the book festival coming up, so there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff in the background, putting together 70-odd events over four days is a... Let's say there's a lot of angst in the family. I'm sure there is. I'm sure it's all tempers frayed. Tempers frayed, but it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. So we were talking recently about American politics. Actually, I saw a thing on CNN and they were talking about the Trump voters that get disillusioned with Trump are now veering towards Bernie Sanders. And it's seen Bernie Sanders as an interesting replacement well, or alternative re- to Trump. Well, that's an interesting point because Bernie Sanders was here. Remember we brought him over for the yeah, book festival? yeah. And myself and Shan spent a lot of time with himself uh, and his Mrs. Jane. And we had a really, really lovely time with them. Really nice people. And what Bernie was saying to me in that interview when I sat down and spoke to him, he was saying that his people and Trump's people aren't a million miles away because they are the left behind. Yeah. They are the people who are left behind. They are the people for whom the economy isn't working. And they are the people who feel disenfranchised from the American system. So he always said, and it was very, very obvious to me, or sorry, obvious to me, it was very clear to me that Bernie was saying, they're also my people, that I don't represent the elites, I represent the left behind. And yes, they went for Trump, but you're right, they might now go for Bernie or some version of that. So weirdly, uh, Bernie and Trump are interchangeable. Well, for a lot of voters. Well, I think they are because, I mean, I think Bernie would go mad about that and Trump would go mad about that because <laughs> yeah. they do see themselves <laughs> as totally different. But there is an area in the middle of people who feel that America and the economy is not delivering for them. And they are definitely, they have the very similar uh, sort of policies. If you listen to Bernie about healthcare, right? Yeah. If you listen to Bernie about social welfare, if you listen to Bernie, they're all solutions for the problem that Trump has the opposite solutions for, but they're the same people they're talking to. Yeah. What I find really interesting is, in particularly in the Democrat race, is that it's so incredibly crowded now. And there are some, there's some interesting personalities rising to the top, like your one, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Well, I can never get that right. She is she's the the firebrand now, and the congress the congresswoman from Bronx, I think, so the Queens or something in yeah. New York. And this is what I want to talk about: it's what is driving her, and is there a connection? So there's two things going on here. Trump says, you know, today the stock market reached the best ever, and that's an endorsement of me. And I'm looking and thinking, there's something different going on. Is the rise in the stock market the very reason? that American youth are going to AOC, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. And if it is, this is interesting. So the argument is the following, that 
America goes into recession in 2008. The Federal Reserve under Ben Bernanke Mm -hmm. decides we are looking at a great depression here. We've got to do something to fix the American economy before it totally slides. What they do is they rip up the monetary rules that they had all the time. They say, okay, we're going to actually have a new policy. And that policy is we are going to give new money to the banks for old assets on the bank's balance sheets. Because the banks basically were in what Keynes called a liquidity trap. The banks had too much bad debt and they didn't want to lend no matter what the rate of interest. And the people and American companies had too much existing debt and they didn't want to borrow. So therefore the economy got stuck. So the Fed said, what we're going to do is we're going to go in and we're going to give the banks money and we're going to coax them to lend by reducing interest rates to zero and by buying up loads and loads of bad assets, by putting them on our balance sheet, taking them off the bank's balance sheet so the bank's balance sheet looks better and they can begin to lend. So that was the logic. So essentially, it's just making up money. Well, it's it's horrible. Money's always made up. It's, 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 it's the greatest <laughs> cash for trash scheme the world has ever seen. Yeah. It's America, my friend. <laughs> but anyway, so think about it. So the bank, the, the, the Federal Reserve does this and they... Bernanke identified this recession has been very straight, different. It was what's called a balance sheet recession. So what was wrong with America and the rest of the world was that the balance sheet was broken. So the assets that people had bought in the boom, yeah. okay, had collapsed in value. But the debt they incurred to buy those assets hadn't changed. So their balance sheet gotcha. was, their assets were lower than their debts. Balance sheet was broken. So Bernanke says, we're going to have to refloat the balance sheet. How do we do this? Either... We can default on the debts or we can reflate the assets. So we don't want defaults on the debts, so we'll reflate the assets. And what we'll do is we'll cut interest rates to zero and that'll push up asset prices. And what's the the outcome of that then? Now, this is the interesting thing. It worked over time. It's called trickle-down economics. You might have heard of it, Mrs. Thatcher. Ronnie Reagan stuff. Mr. Reagan, right? But this is like hyper-trickle-down economics because basically what we're going to do is we're going to reflate the balance sheet so when it push up the price of assets, then people with assets will begin to feel better. That will coax them to borrow in a little bit more, to spend in a little bit more, and it will trickle down to the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. But there is a problem with an asset reflating approach to recovery. Go on. If you raise the price of assets, who gains most, rich people or poor people? Then the question is, who owns assets? Yeah. People who own assets are rich. Because they own shit. That's yeah. why they're rich, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you have an entire policy that's based on driving up asset prices, it makes people who are rich feel richer. And therefore, people who don't have assets feel poorer. So what you have is, even though maybe long-term, it works that the economy in general expands, as the American economy did, what actually happens is people who have assets feel much, much richer Okay, mm. And therefore, you could break down between people in the world who depend on for their income on wages and people in the world who depend for their income on rents or dividends. Right? That's the difference. So, right? so the disparity, essentially the disparity between rich and poor, just the gap grows much, much wider. Well, it's, it's the difference between people, which is the vast majority, yeah. whose income is dependent on wages, right? Yeah. As opposed to people whose income is dependent on assets, right? 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So assets means a house or stock market, uh, some sort of fund or whatever. So you take those two things together, and what you get is the people who depend on assets for their income do much, much better when you reflate assets yes, than people who depend on yeah. wages. Yeah. And now, who owns assets? Rich people or poor people? Rich people, because poor people depend on wages, or average people. So what has happened is the economy, as you said, has expanded, but the gap between rich and poor has expanded dramatically. That's the first issue. The second issue is then how does this play out demographically? And the issue is that young people tend not to own assets. Assets and houses, for example, or stock market funds are owned by the middle-aged and the old. Yeah. So a policy that drives up asset prices, number one, exacerbates disparities between rich and poor, but number two, even within the rich, it exacerbates disparity between the young and the old. And this... I believe, is a massive reason as to why the young are going left. But if we go over to Finn, he probably has more data on American youth and the difference in political ideology and political lineage between the, the, the young and the old. Finn, tell me. Stanford Stockman. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. I mean, this is the great thing about the States is they have so much data and so much polling and all this stuff. So... I was dipping into some Pew research, so polling um, polling people and looking at the generational divide on political attitudes. And, well, shocker, young people are more liberal. But um, it's interesting when you dig into the detail. So you can see that a clear majority, some 57% of millennials, hold mostly or consistently liberal political views compared to just 12% of them holding more conservative beliefs. Um, again, you see a similar thing. So 57% express a clear preference for big government and the provision of more public services. But here, here's where it gets really interesting. So whatever about millennials, you look at the generation below them. So this generation Z. So Pew did a uh, poll of people entering college in 2016. I'll just read off some of the stats. They're, they're pretty 
pretty impressive. So it's 80% believe that the federal government should address climate change. 71% say the wealthy should pay higher taxes. 68% say gun control law should be more strict. You know, these big liberal positions. And topping all that, so 36% of those entering students identify themselves as far left or liberal. And that's up from 24% in 97. So it's not just that the left have always been liberal. We know that. But it's that a greater proportion of the left are identifying themselves with these beliefs. You know, I mean, that's that's it. So what you're seeing, like, I think it was Churchill said, if you aren't a socialist at 20, you have no heart. And if you're still a socialist at 40, you've no head, right? <laughs> now, notwithstanding that, I think what Finn is saying is that the young have always been left and liberal. And some of us are still left and liberal as yeah. we get older, right? Yeah. But what we're seeing in America is something greater than this. We're actually seeing a much, much more sense amongst the young that we have no stake in society. And this is the key. So when you feel that your stake in society has been diminished because you don't have the assets which have risen in value and you're probably working in some sort of precarious employment where you don't necessarily have the same wages or the same standards or the same legislative protection as your parents did, you begin to think, who's going to protect me? And that's where Bernie's message is interesting, that's where AOC's message is interesting, and that's where the where the, the young are going. And I find that really quite interesting. And at the root of it is the monetary policy called quantitative easing, which was designed to protect the assets, if the truth be known, of the baby boomers, who were the people who actually yeah. lost out in the last housing and stock market boom. Just before you get into that, just to put, because I, I actually did a few stats of my own, uh, believe it or not. Shock <laughs> all right, all right. Bit of competition for my job here. All right. <laughs> no, but I was looking at the demographic breakdown in America. And when we talk about millennials and the, the actual number of millennials, so there are 71 million millennials in the States. And that accounts for about a quarter of the US population. 30% of the voters are millennials. And two-fifths of them are in the working age. So I'm not saying nothing about the Gen Z guys who are coming up behind. So what I want to ask you, before we get on to QE and stuff, is as the current millennials, given the stats that Finn spoke about, it's in the post, essentially, that America will shift more left in the 2020 election, perhaps? Well, let's go back and, and see why... What QE does, right? What what has happened is you reduce interest rates to zero. You drive up asset prices. The major asset you drive up is houses. That's what people, most people think of when they think of assets. They think mm-hmm. houses. Yeah. You're also driving up rents. So what you have is millennials are therefore competing with each other in these major American cities. And urbanization is going on at the same time. Rents are going through the roof. House prices are going through the roof. Those millennials, those 70-odd million, are now thinking, we don't have the same stake our parents had, so what are we going to do about it? For years and years and years, you said the market will provide the houses and this, that, and the other. Well, the market has provided the jobs, but it hasn't provided the assets. So they will vote for whatever politician or mix of politicians who says, we are going to go and we are going to begin the process of what the Americans did in the 1950s of public works. We forget that in the 1950s, the Americans built houses, they built all sorts yeah. of public infrastructure. 
and they're going to vote for the guy or the girl who says we would we're going to do that. So moving to the left is a totally logical position to take. And what is interesting is because so many of the commentators and the commentariat are older of our age and older, they see this as a massive socialist threat mm. and the way they use communisms and marxism, but in actual fact it's only the rational reaction of a massive demographic that feels left out. Right. Finn okay. wants to say something. Yeah, so just just to say that it's, I mean, so much of US politics is about making this emotional appeal. And you see Donald Trump do it. You see Bernie Sanders doing it. And a lot of their, we'll say, these people that are down and out that support both of them from different ideological perspectives, they share a lot in common. So what you see is, a polling this far out from US presidential election is bollocks, in short. Um, <laughs> but you see a lot of Bernie voters would actually switch to supporting Trump if Bernie drops out of the race and vice versa. In some, in some provisional polling data, you see that. So it's, it's not necessarily that these people are fundamentally leftists. It's that they're fundamentally disenfranchised by the society, I guess. So if we take that, that there are lots of people in the middle who are either Bernie or Trump voters, there's another cohort, which is the younger, slightly more affluent people in the States who would have progressed from maybe being teen socialists to late 20s, early 30s Republicans, okay, as they got richer. Now what we're seeing is maybe they will not graduate to Republicanism. They will not take the Winston Churchill idea that if you're a socialist at 20, Mm. you've you've got great heart, but if you're a socialist at 40, you've, you've no head. They might say, hold on a second. This idea, which we would call European social democratic left, is what we should do. And this is what AOC is tapping into. And I suspect this is the new dispensation in America. And it makes total sense because, as you said, the disparities of income are so significant and the disparities of wealth are so significant. And for the first time ever, that idea that you go to college and you get on a, on a, on a sort of a conveyor belt and you do well and you have a great stake in society has broken down. Yeah, And that's the change. And I believe at the source of this change was the policy reaction to the last great recession. Because by only cutting interest rates and not expanding public works, what you did was you exacerbated profoundly the asset bias in the recovery and that biased and jaundiced rich people over poor people and even within the middle class old people over young people. And that's why you're seeing middle-class kids go left. And I suspect they might stay left. And interestingly, John, a policy that was unveiled 10 years ago at the start of the bull market, which was explicitly driven to protect the assets of the baby boomers, has led to the spawning of politicians who want to take those assets off the baby boomers So ultimately, the effort to save the baby boomers' assets might end up costing the baby boomers their assets in a wealth tax over the next five or six years. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Now, if you like our content and you want to support us, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. If you become a patron, you can unlock all sorts of interesting new content, interviews I'm going to be doing, 
ticket giveaways for those interviews, those conversations with really interesting people, experiences that you can't get anywhere else. And this will ensure that the podcast remains ad-free and you can get all of this stuff for the price of a pint. 